<laughs> Hello. Hello. What are you sipping on? Em, I did not notice. <laughs> Does this change this things? Is hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, this chick is back again. <laughs> All the sips. All the sips for sip talk. Oh my gosh, I love it. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? I am doing great. Uh, how are you, Em? Happy I'm podcast good. day. Happy podcast day. Uh, well, we have an exciting episode today, but first, uh, what are you sipping on? I am sipping on a kombucha today. It's Ooh, like a, it's purple. Like a flavor. Oh my God. I always forget what the flavor is actually supposed to be because it's just called like ultraviolet or something. But I don't know what the actual flavor is. It's a bit citrusy though, and it's really good. What are you sipping on? Oh, I'm <laughs> sipping on a an iced uh, an iced coffee with coconut milk mm-hmm. and whipped cream, cinnamon, and salt. Wait, did you make that yourself or did you buy it? I made it. Oh my god, yes, I'm impressed. Um, You're always one up with me. I'm gonna have do- I have a whipped cream stash. Mustache. <laughs> I was going to do a coffee today because we're recording earlier than we have in the past. So I was going to do a coffee, but I've been sick the past few days. I like popped a bunch of Advil and Tylenol before we hopped onto this, but I feel like I can only, I can't drink a ton of coffee when I'm sick compared to normal because I just feel like it's a little bit dehydrating. So I only have, I was about to say I only have a few, which is still a lot. (laughs) What's your sober win of the week? Ooh, this is a big one. So mm. I resigned from my job on Friday. Um, that is a sober win because, yes, I'm very excited. I've been working in the entertainment industry for the last eight years, and I've decided to completely remove myself from it um, and see see where my other adventures take me that I'm very excited about. Um it's a, you know, it's a little bit nerve wracking because it's mm-hmm. what I know, but I'm taking a leap and we'll see what happens. What about you? What's I'm your so sober win? For you. Okay. Thank My you. sober win, full disclosure is not from this past week, but we've taken a little bit of time off recording and I had to share this one. Um, mine is that I went on my first sober trip, like first sober trip out of the country which meant my first sober flight. And I'm very, very, very terrified of flying. Um, And I've always, for years and years, my only way that I coped with my flying fear was to just get drunk before the flight. It was the only way I could like kind of calm my nerves. Um, And so ever since I quit drinking, this has been hanging over my head as something I was terrified to do. and I did it. Way to so go. that's my win. It's one of my favorite ones for sure. That's a huge win. So how did it feel? What was the flight like? Did you Terrifying. obviously you made it through? <laughs> I cried. Yeah. <laughs> I cried. Oh. Um I cried at takeoff and I did it. Do you know what's so funny is that on our way home. We were at the airport waiting to fly back home. I was with my sisters and we got breakfast at the airport and like we had a really nice waiter who we kind of chatted with a little bit. I don't think I actually even told you this story. Um, Maybe I did. We had a really nice waiter and then after we paid our bills, 
and we were about to get up and go, he brings us over because we'd been drinking coffee and then we got like to go coffees. And then he brings us over three little cups and he's like, here, pour these in your coffee, make the flight easier. And it was a shot of whiskey and a shot of Jam, no, a shot of Kahlua and Jameson whiskey in each of the cups. And I was just like, ugh, <laughs> I would be all over no this before. Way. Yeah. Obviously didn't oh, have it. With the fish. Poured it to my sisters, like, enjoy, you guys. But um, it just felt like, oh, my God, go figure. <laughs> because here I am struggling Honestly. to get sober. Yeah. Honestly. Well, I'm so proud of you for making it through. That Thank can't you. have been easy. It was so hard. But you know what? I think that, like, I, I kind of said this on Instagram, but I feel like I've probably preventing my – prevented myself from actually getting over my fear by drinking to get through it all the time um, because I never had to actually really face it. And I feel like even the second flight home, not saying it was easy by any stretch, but I do think it was a little bit easier. And so even that was kind of encouraging to be like, you know what, doing it even like twice sober, I felt got it even just a tiny bit easier. So hopefully it just gets easier with time. But yeah, that was a big one for me. Oh, congratulations. And I, it, it definitely will get easier with time. Do you have any other flights um, coming up? Not any booked, but definitely mentally booked. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have some in yeah, my head. I'm with you. <laughs> But I haven't actually booked them. But I remember talking to my mom when I was super early in sobriety and being like, flying though. And I was like, can't I just be a sober person who only drinks when they fly? (laughs) I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it without – like I was just like, that'll just be my one exception. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And you did it. See, anything is possible. And great segue into today's topic. Early sobriety. Yes. Yeah, that was a perfect segue. Um, Okay, let's get into it. How was early sobriety for you as just kind of like a whole generally? When you think of that time in your life, how does it feel? It, first of all, feels like a blur. Um, Yeah, me too. Right? Because I, I think I've mentioned this before, times that are difficult, I tend to stash them in an area of my brain that, you know, I don't really need to remember back on. But what I find helpful with our podcast and like digging back into those memories is it does help to kind of resolve those feelings that I may have had. Um, And I have said in the past that, oh, it wasn't that hard. You know, like I I remember it just being like, I slept slept it away or I watched TV and I kind of just hibernated. But that's just, that's just, you know, my my easy way. I don't know. It's like my easy way um, of reflecting back on it. But when I really dig Mm. deep, it was tough. It was so tough. Uh, Like having that, all those emotions that you've been drinking away and not realizing that you were drinking away start to surface. um, It's, it's, it can be a lot at once. How did you, Mm -hmm. how did you feel about it? Yeah. I also do feel like it's a blur in a lot of ways for sure. But I think it was overall definitely a really hard time in my life. I mean, it had lots of positives as well, obviously. Like I can remember because it it was early pandemic, early-ish pandemic. Um, I remember sometimes 
because my sisters and I would have like we called them sisters nights where we'd get together um, and like drink together and that was, you know, towards the end of when my drinking was really kind of getting out of hand, at least for me, for how it made me feel the next day. And I remember some mornings in early sobriety, like waking up early and almost like leaping out of bed with excitement, like, oh my God, I'm not hungover. I don't feel anxious. Like I did it. But so there were obviously good times. But overall, it was a really hard and isolating time in my life. Um, I was very newly single. I had been living with my ex um, in lockdown and then we broke up. He moved out and then I was living alone in lockdown and then I quit drinking a couple months after that. Um, So I was newly single, locked down, newly sober um, and trying to get through all of that at once. Um, It was a lot. So much change at once. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's tough. Um, did you, Mm -hmm. and you joined some groups at that point or did you wait a bit to do that? Like sober groups. Okay. I feel like there were kind of like three real like tools that I used at that time. One of them was calling my mom all the time. Um, I've said it 80,000 times on this podcast, but cause she's sober, been sober since she was 21. Um, so she was really my main, main support system. And I, I feel like I had Zoom calls with her almost like every morning before work. Um, really? And- Even Zoom? It sounds so professional. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we talked on Zoom. Um, yeah. I love it. And, <laughs> and then Quitlet was massive for me. Reading books about people getting sober. Like I – powered through. I think I read like six books in one month at one point. Like I couldn't stop reading. Wow. Yeah. Um, and That's then great. I joined. Yeah. It was so helpful. So helpful. And I couldn't stop buying books. Now I have a stack of so many of them that I haven't read yet. Um, that I do want I do I do plan on eventually reading. Um and then the last one was I joined a support group um called The Luckiest Club, which was founded by Laura McCowan who wrote the book, We Are the Luckiest. Um, and I, I, I only kind of really did the meetings for a two, three months, I want to say. Um, and then that was kind of it for me. Um, but those were the three things for like early sobriety that I really, really relied on. Um, what about you? Amazing. Well, we have one tool in common, uh, our mothers. I talked mm-hmm. to my mom a lot. Um, now I didn't go down the, the route of, uh, joining a a club or community or a support group or even reading Quitlet. Um, I, my big tools were hibernating and removing myself from, um, temptation. Um, for me, it was really pulling myself out of any social situation that I would otherwise drink at. Um, Mm -hmm. because that was the biggest temptation for me was to be out and socialize, um, with alcohol or, you know, the sense of FOMO, fear of missing out because I'd see on social media that my friends were out. So I also didn't use social media that much either. I didn't join the sober community on Instagram until a year sober. So for me, it was just removing myself and I was very lucky and I'm forever grateful that Jonas, my partner, um, you know, quit at the same time as me because at least I had someone to talk to about it that that got it. Um, mm. But also spending a lot of time with family, which I do normally, but 
having my grandparents nearby and my uncle, um, I was able to, and my mom and my other uncle live somewhat close, but I was able to go and spend time with them instead of, again, being out at the bar or wherever I would normally be on a weekend. So that was super, super helpful. Um, and it was fun. It was like, it was a fun change to like shift my focus from being this like social party animal to, um, a bit of a hermit, (laughs) which is kind Mm -hmm. of what I am now, to be honest. I mean, I go out here and there, but the night we went out in Toronto was like the first time I'd been out and partied, you know, soberly, of course, but like out until 3am. It's so unlike me. I loved it. It was so fun. I find it interesting because we both hibernated through early sobriety, but yours was by choice and mine was not by choice because of being in (laughs) lockdowns. (laughs) So true. So do you think that if there wasn't a lockdown, you would still be going out? I think I would have. I do. I think I would have kept going out. And that's why as much as I admittedly felt pretty sorry for myself about it at the time, um, I look back now and I think it was such a gift that the timing happened that way because I think that it would have been a lot harder to make it stick if I had been going out um, to the same places and doing the same things and trying to do it sober when I was like that early on. I think I would have been a lot more likely to kind of say screw it a few times. Um, So I think that it all happened in the perfect way for me, for sure. How amazing. Yeah. So uh, totally perfect timing. I I honestly, everybody is different. The beauty of life in general, but also sobriety, everybody does it a little bit differently and each way is perfectly acceptable if it works for you. Um, But I personally don't know how people go out and put themselves in those environments when they, you know, are newly sober. For me, I think it would be very difficult. Um, I'm now at a place that I'm fully comfortable in doing so, but I think for the first year, even quite a challenge, like after six months, when I emerged from my hibernation, (laughs) I still felt uncomfortable in those situations and had to work through that social anxiety. It was a constant battle. Mm -hmm. And you know what? The social anxiety still presents itself from time to time now. Um, But that's just, that's just something I need to work on personally, like, you know, within myself, it's not alcohol related, but something that I use alcohol to as a crutch for, I suppose that I never realized until now. Yeah. I think that no matter what stage you start kind of socializing again at, it is just a learning curve. It's an adjustment. It's something you have to get used to. And, and, and also that you don't have to, you don't have to put yourself in those situations ever again, if you don't want to as well, as far as like, you know, going out to actual bars goes, um, I think it's all about determining what your comfort level is and what you think is like a safe decision for you at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, making the decision to remove alcohol, whether it's for a short period of time or a long period of time, it's a scary decision in itself, even Mm -hmm. potentially admitting that maybe your relationship with alcohol isn't a healthy one and coming to that realization in itself is difficult. But then the fear of the unknown, like what is this life going to look like for me is terrifying and making these, you know, crazy, not crazy, but very big changes all of a sudden, removing alcohol, removing your social life, removing all those things um, 
can be a lot. Uh, so potentially people still want to continue that social lifestyle and see if they can do it off the bat without booze. And it'll, I'm sure it works for some. Um, it just depends again on your comfort level and, and what feels right. And if it starts mm-hmm. to feel like mm, maybe this isn't for me, you can always remove yourself. Like you are in control 100%. of your own actions, right? So what you just said actually reminded me of something that I wanted to ask you, which is about like navigating other people in our lives. I feel like it feels like you have to like reveal this to people when you decide that you're going to quit drinking, like the telling people in your life aspect and like navigating what you're going to tell them, when you're going to tell them what their response is going to be. How was that for you? Because I think that is something that like obviously the not drinking part is really hard in itself, but then navigating other people's responses to it and like when you're going to open up about it a little bit to them is also a really, really hard part of it as well. For sure. Because you're in such a tender spot with yourself coming to this realization and then facing what others may have to say about it can be challenging. Uh, For me, I, you know, I shared with the people closest to me that I was going to do this. And to be fair, for some of them, it wasn't the first time they'd heard it. I used to take breaks here and there. And that was something that they were used to. But I don't think that it was taken as seriously as I had and you know set out for it to be from the get-go um but there was so much support with the people around me I'm very grateful to have um such loving friendships and and family members but there were you know a few that questioned it and I will say those people aren't super close with me anymore it's just Mm -hmm. I I I don't surround myself with people that doubt decisions especially when they're they're the healthiest ones for me and so simple as that, those friendships just aren't really there anymore. Um, and that was a tough realization. But now I see that the, you know, friendships come and go, and they're, they're there for a reason. And um, the chapters do end up closing, they're not all meant forever. And that was kind of a beautiful way for me to look at it. Like, this party chapter of mine is closed. Some of those people go with that chapter. And um, you we can't, we can't, control what other people have to say we can only control how we react and um that's what I had to keep reminding myself what about you did you have any negative response I had people who struggled with it um because drinking together was like a big part of our relationship I think something that was a bit different for me was that mm, or was it it's it's funny it's it is really funny to think about because I think some people were a little bit surprised and confused by the decision because I think that for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, my drinking looked pretty okay from the outside. You know, obviously, people knew I loved to drink. Obviously, that was like kind of a part of my personality was I was a big drinker. But um, I think a lot of people thought it looked pretty okay. And I remember getting some of kind of like, well, I don't think you have a problem or like you're fun to drink with, like those kinds of things. Um, It's funny, you know, even like earlier this year, I met up with my ex, the one who I had been living with in lockdown right up until a couple months before I quit drinking. And so I hadn't really, I hadn't seen him since. It was just just a catch up on life. And um, 
and so it came up that I don't drink anymore. And he was like, he asked me why. And I told him and his words were, it's funny the way you talk about it, you make it sound like you had a problem. I don't think you had a problem. And like he was living with me in lockdown when I was drinking almost every day. And for me, I just think that so like hits home the point of like you don't know someone's relationship with alcohol by looking at what's going on from the outside. Because I think so often more so than like the behavior or the drinking habits, it really is more so about how it affects us inside and how it makes us feel inside. Um, And so I think that was – part of navigating the conversation for me was really explaining like this is fucking up my mental health. I'm so anxious. I feel terrible all the time when I drink. Um, And so that was that was kind of a hard part for me was almost it almost made me question it more. Like, well, am I fine? Am I being kind of dramatic? Is this extreme? Um, So that was kind of an interesting part to navigate for me. For sure. It's it's funny. I, I mean, everybody reacts differently. And a lot of the time, the reactions are based on their feelings with their relationship with alcohol as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so true that you don't know what's going on with someone on the inside, like someone that looks like they're having the most fun out drinking, partying, dancing, having a great time could be struggling so much. But isn't that just mental health in general, regardless of drinking. If someone looks like they're a very happy person, they can be struggling inside. We can't see what's happening in each other's minds. Um, And that's what's so beautiful about our discussions around alcohol and just being open publicly and sharing our story and connecting with others that struggle because we don't know. And we don't know unless we talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing. And I think that's so, so great because I know I lived for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I didn't share stuff. I kept quiet yeah. because I was, I don't know what the fear was. Was it of being judged or, or the fear? I, I truly don't know. But now that I've accepted my, my life and accepted my decisions and, um, I'm open with others. I think that has, yeah, I think being open about our stories allows others to do the same and allows others to go, okay, maybe I, maybe I don't, maybe I'm not alone. Yeah. And that's so interesting because that was actually my mom listening to our podcast and listening to the episode where I kind of shared my story. One of the things she said to me was like, it really stood out to her our ability, just people in general, our ability to make everything seem okay when it's not. Because she was like, you talked about just like struggling so hard with anxiety. She's like, I had no idea from like seeing you in the morning after you were drinking at her house. I never would have known that that's like what your headspace was like. And it is true. Like when when you don't want people to know. Yeah. That's my mom who knows me better than like anyone. Um. So yeah, I do think that when you really like you you really just don't know from looking at somebody and that's a really important thing especially around the alcohol conversation because people have such a specific image in their mind of someone who has like a problem with drinking and it's that's not what it is most of the time. You can see it. Yeah, you can see it on the outside. Yeah. 
that's the typical mm-hmm. drinking problem. This person you see passed yeah. out on the street or something, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. People have problems with these substances. And I think a lot of the time it's tough to admit it because it's so normalized in society to be a drinker and to party and to let go in that way. And it's not questioned enough. I mean, the, obviously the discussions are being had now, but mm-hmm. do I have a, a problem with drinking is a question I think more and more people are asking. And that's, you know, someone that maybe has more than two drinks in a night, which I think is a lot of people um, may start to question their relationship with alcohol, because scientifically, they say more than that is not good for you. It's it becomes an unhealthy amount. So opening this conversation allows people that may not consider themselves to be a labeled, you know, fill in the blank here with alcohol, they might realize that they could have a a problem of some sort, or, you know, they might want to change their relationship in some way, reduce their consumption and just start asking those questions. Mm -hmm. I think that someone who's wondering, do I have a problem with alcohol already kind of knows their answer. Cause I think if you're asking that question, it's because it's a problem for you. And regardless of whether it fits some standard of what a quote unquote problem is, like what that definition is that that people believe, if you're asking it, it's because it's it's problematic for you and it's affecting you. I remember, for I remember sure. talking to my mom on the phone. It was when I was living in Australia and she was telling a story of a wedding she'd gone to and she was sitting at a table with a guy who was – she had known him growing up and he was absolutely wasted and has always kind of – had that relationship with alcohol and she was telling me this story of feeling so bad for him and feeling bad for his wife who who f- seemed a little bit embarrassed um and she said he he wouldn't stop asking me all about my sobriety and all about alcoholism and being like oh do you think I'm an alcoholic I don't know and my mom said to me on the call she's like you know you don't ha- you don't ask yourself if you have a problem with drinking unless you have a problem and I remember being like oh yeah but in my mind being like fuck <laughs> You know, like, damn it, because I'm asking myself that every day. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, wow, that's so true. You don't ask yourself that. I I wonder how many times I drink or quote unquote, and I kind of hate to use that term. If it really, really is not affecting your life in any negative way, you're not going to ask yourself that. So even if you drink like one drink at a time, but then you feel like shit the next day and you're wondering if it's problematic, then like it's problematic for you. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's right. That's that's so true. I mean, it's all what, when it comes down to it, how you feel about your relationship with it um, yeah. and, and what you want to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything you noticed in early sobriety in terms of uh, your the way your body was, like how you felt overall, um, any big changes off the bat, um, whether it's physical appearance, like whatever, just from in your body and mind. I think for sure, for me, the biggest one was just like the mental health aspect of it because my anxiety after drinking was always so intense. Like it was like crippling. I can remember sometimes the next day after drinking, just being so consumed by what did I do? What did I say? 
Are there things I don't remember? I remember like laying on the couch and trying to like, okay, I'm going to watch TV to take my mind off of it and not being able to take my mind off of it. And then being like, okay, I'm going to sleep as an escape. And my mind was racing too much to be able to sleep, to, to fall asleep. And like, for me, the biggest piece and my biggest motivator was always the mental health aspect. So of course, like physically, I just felt better because I had been drinking so much that Obviously, I felt healthier. I have more energy. Um, so I did physically feel better. And I think I kind of noticed that more so with time as opposed to right away. The right away change for me was like, oh, my God, I'm not putting myself through that suffering anymore. Um, and that was like the biggest thing that really kept me going. Um, how about you? Oh, my gosh. Yes. The the anxiety, I was the same way. Like it was absolutely crippling the next day. I would be like in tears and so upset and so depressed where Mm -hmm. I was questioning why I was, I even existed at times like that. I mean, those lows were really heavy for me in my late teens and early twenties. Um, but the, the same thing, like once alcohol was removed, there was an immediate feeling of release and a sense of peace in a way. It obviously took a long time to work through all the emotions that came with it. But like Mm -hmm. you waking up without a hangover on a Sunday, wow, what an amazing feeling that was. And it still is, you know, still jumping out of bed with enjoy in a joyous mood because, you know, no matter what's happening in life, at least I know I'm not hungover and that's mm-hmm. a win in itself. Right. So, but in those beginning days physically, and my mom had mentioned this too, just like my eyes cleared. There was something yeah. like in my eyes and in my face, like it just, there, there was a glow. There was a sober glow. Shout out Danielle. There was a sober <laughs> glow to, <laughs> to, yeah, to my face and to my just my overall aura, I think. Yeah. I love that. And you know what? It is it is true that when it really hits me is when I see like a photo of myself from my drinking days. I used to also fun fact and something that contributed to my uh <laughs> hangover anxiety was that my drunk Maddie's favorite thing to do was take Snapchat videos and send them take drunk Snapchat videos, send them to everyone I know, and also before doing that, save them so that I would get to see it in the morning. Um and those still pop up. Why did for you me do that my, to yourself? <laughs> I don't know, but it was consistent. Like I never stopped. <laughs> I would always take these really cringy drunk videos, save them, send to everyone. So then I would see those the next day. And then I would also be like, was there other stuff I sent that I don't remember? I would always Snapchat drunk. And then there's no – you can't go back. Like things disappear once you send them. And that was very anxiety-inducing for me. But that being said, every single day I get on this day, four years ago today from Snapchat, and half the time it's – drinking drunk or just like my drinking days. And I do think that my skin is more dull. There's like, I almost want to say there's like a bit more of a grayness to it. Um, Yes. Where I almost don't even recognize myself when I look back at old photos for that reason. Yes. I I know what you mean about the gray. Mm -hmm. There's like a lack of, a lack of sparkle. Yeah. It's just, I, 
you know, I, I feel the same way. Isn't it funny? Do you get triggered or like, do you, how does it make you feel to look back on the memories that pop up on social media (laughs) from those drinking days? I have a hard time if it's an actual drunk video. Sometimes it's like a photo of me with my wine and whatever. But if it's a real drunk video, some of them are doozies. I can't watch. I skip right through. I'm like, nope, not not watching that today. Um, it's weird, and I think that was that's another part actually of early sobriety that I think is kind of worth noting is that I carried for so long so much shame, as many of us do about things that happened when I was drunk or just about my drinking in in general. Like I was ashamed of how much I drank and 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 how often and just how much I knew that I liked it way too much. Um that wasn't something I was proud of. And I think that for some reason I I always almost envisioned that like if I ever quit drinking that that shame would just like go away right away. Um and that doesn't happen. Like I would still in early sobriety, I would still something I did while I was drunk would like pop into my head and I would just cringe. But now I'm kind of in that place. Not completely. There are obviously still things that I don't love to remember, but now I'm in a place where because I'm I've I've gotten sober, I feel like I can be like well, I'm not that person anymore. And yeah, I'm not proud of how I behaved, but that's why I got sober. And like, I feel like I can almost separate it out in my head that way of like, well, yeah, I did do that. And that is really embarrassing, but that's why I made this change. And now I can be proud that I at least made that, like I at least, I at least uh, took action and um, did something about it. So I think that there is a lot of working through those feelings when you quit drinking. And what a powerful thing to recognize that this is, that's the, that's a previous version of you. And the reason all of that happened was to get to you to where you are today. And how amazing Mm -hmm. is that, that all of those very unfortunate situations that may make us cringe to think about happen for a reason because maybe we wouldn't be here where we are right now if those had not happened. Um, and obviously there are things that I'd be like, you know what? I wish that never happened regardless because I'm, you know, I just, there's still, there's, there's still a bit of um, regret of course. Yeah. Um, but nobody is perfect and no life is perfect. That's not even a, that's not even a word to describe a life. Our lives are filled with ups and downs and, at the end of the day, we're all human and we all go through these, these cringy moments. So to be able to recognize that and, um, and remind yourself of why you've made that decision to be where you are now. It's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I have to do the same thing too. Yeah. In case anyone's listening and they, they do still struggle a lot with like shame or embarrassment or cringing at things they did. Something that I told myself early on that actually really helped me was that, Never have I ever in my life gone to bed and thought to myself like, oh my God, I can't believe so-and-so acted that way when they were drunk. That's so embarrassing because everyone is too busy overthinking their own shit (laughs) that like we're so caught up in feeling embarrassed about things that we've done, but no one else actually cares in the way that we think that they do because they're too busy caring about their own stuff. 
And like remembering that was so helpful for me. So true. Isn't that funny? Yeah. We're so worried. Like, oh, what do they think? Or like, what? Oh my gosh, it's going to be so embarrassing tomorrow to face these people or, or whatever it is. Um, and at the end of the day, it's not really, it's not really that big of a deal in the overall, oops, overall grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. You know, that is so comforting to know. Yeah. It, It can be so all consuming though. My thoughts, especially the day after during those very anxious, um, and uncomfortable mornings was just thinking back. And I remember I'd be like these, these images, if I blacked out, like these images would pop into my head, or even if I didn't black out, I'd remember these certain things I said, and my whole body would literally shudder, like literally. Oh my God. Just thinking about those, those moments, uh, not a good feeling. Uh, the good the good thing is is that you can change that. It doesn't have to be that way forever. So find comfort in knowing that if yesterday was cringy for you, tomorrow does not have to be. And there's an easy fix. It's just removing that one thing that's causing the the cringe. And it's not. I'm not saying it's an easy easy thing to do. It's very challenging, but you can do it. Yeah, it is possible. And I, I do think that those feelings we feel the next day are important because it got – I mean, it made me put the bottle down. Um, but it's also about not torturing yourself about them forever and, like, forgiving yourself. And, like, what am I going to sit here close to two years sober still beating myself up over something I did when I was drunk? Like, I can't change it and I can just feel proud that I'm not carrying on that way anymore. Yes. Uh Hello, almost two years sober. That's amazing. <laughs> You're so close. You're getting close to four years. So ex- right? Yeah, four years. Yeah, clo- close-ish. We're a couple months away. We'll be celebrating your two first. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> but it, to your note about um, being easy on yourself, just loving yourself and being gentle with yourself is – it was a huge one for me too, because I really would go through phases where I'd really beat myself up. Like really, really, yeah. d- I disliked myself. You know, I really didn't like myself at times. And that's, that's a really uncomfortable way to live. Um, so showing that self-love and self-compassion is a huge mind shift. And remembering that at the end of the day, no matter what, people around you are saying, whether it's, you know, if you're receiving negative feedback for your decision or um, input for why you've made this decision, like all of this outside noise is just noise. And, and what you feel within is what's most important because it's your life and you're doing it for you. Um, And I think at least I got, I got caught up in what others thought and that really kind of mm-hmm. affected my main goal of like being the best version of me and and living for me um in order to respect and and nurture the relationships around me yeah do you feel like um there was a big grieving process involved for you when you quit drinking you know what no and really? i think this is because Yeah, I think this is because I knew at this point that this was the best decision for me and that it was going to be long term, even though I I looked at I looked at it like 
day by day and not forever and, and a month at a time type of, of mindset. Deep down, I, I knew that this was meant for me. And I had done so many sober October, by the way, sober October is tomorrow, oh, two days from now on Saturday, which is so exciting. <laughs> but um, uh, doing those sober Octobers had almost geared me up towards a life of uh, booze free living. And, wow. and so I think I put that, yeah, put that version of me aside at that point and kind of look forward into like this new, this new adventure and this new life that I was, I was making the change towards. What about you? Did you grieve? Oh my God. Hugely. It was such a grieving process for me. And I remember not thinking of it that way and then reading it in one of my quit lit books and feeling so validated by that because I really realized like I have been grieving it. Like I felt like I grieved it the same way I've grieved like a a devastating breakup. (laughs) Like genuinely. Wow. I I did not know that. Oh, yeah. And it was ongoing. It was – it was – gosh, I want to say probably at least like six, seven – eight, nine months for sure of feeling like I was in the grieving process. Um, and I never – I think that's something that makes it harder when like I never hit a quote-unquote rock bottom. Um, I hit an internal one where I felt like I hit a rock bottom in terms of like I can't feel this way anymore. But there was never some like big event or big anything that caused me to to make the decision, which I think – made it harder to stop romanticizing it. Um, I grieved just like my idea of alcohol, my romanticized idea of it, my memories of it, everything I associated it with, like fun, relaxing, connecting with people. Um, It it was a big grieving process for me. Absolutely. Wow. And to push through those emotions, was there – were there specific – action items that you followed through with, like whether it was journaling or I know you said you read quit lit. Um, what were some of your go-tos to get through that specific grieving feeling? Mm-hmm. I think for sure. And I think I mentioned this before in an episode, but writing down in detail how drinking really made me feel the next day, writing down some of my worst like next mornings after drinking, my most embarrassing moments because it it just forced me to acknowledge the truth. It if I was stuck on like, oh, but I'm never going to sit on the porch and have a wine again in the summer, like that's not really the truth of what drinking was for me. It was the truth of what the first couple drinks were, but it wasn't the truth of how the rest of the night would go or how I would feel the next day. So I think just constantly coming back to the truth of it. And I think also even just like a big kind of mindset shift that I had, um, a couple kind of mindset shifts coming back to what I said in the beginning of other people, uh, other people's opinions affecting me about it. I remember – talking to my mom and and kind of struggling with the oh maybe I wasn't that bad I don't know like questioning my own decision because once you 
once you quit, it's really easy to look back and romanticize it. So I remember talking to her and this is something I've written in posts a few times and it's totally something my mom said to me, which was like, if it wasn't that bad, you you wouldn't be here. You don't make like the decision to quit drinking is not one that any of us makes lightly and it's not one that any of us makes without good reason. Um, and so that was something that really clicked for me where I was like, it's true. Like you don't – it's a it's a really hard thing to do and you wouldn't do it if you didn't really need to do it. And just another thing that really was like a, a, a light bulb moment for me at the time was – I remember kind of working through it with her and and saying again, like, well, I don't know if I really had a problem or or just like kind of questioning it. And my mom, who was such a good support and really handled it beautifully in the fact that she really let me figure it out for myself. She was a listening ear, but she wasn't pushing sobriety on me. She didn't want it to be something that I ended up feeling like I had to do for her. She really wanted to give me space to figure it out. So I was doing it for me. But I was maybe a couple months in and I was kind of questioning, I don't know, was I fine? Was I? And she said, okay, Maddie, like she's like, I haven't wanted to say this to you, but just so you know, you're not crazy. I've always known you had a problem. Like she's like, it's something that I've notice that I've been worried about that I've 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 noted and like just know you're not crazy and like it made me feel so val oh I actually feel emotional thinking about it oh I'm such a crier I'm shocked I've made it this far <laughs> without but without it made crying? me feel valid- oh it's a miracle um it made me feel really validated like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. Like my experience of this isn't crazy because it can feel that way when you're navigating other mm-hmm. people kind of doubting your own decision about it. So that mm-hmm. really helped me early on. Uh, Meg, such an amazing, yeah, such an amazing woman. Um, that, <laughs> that It's such a tough, it's such a tough thing to, to question. Again, because it is so regulated in society, we want to be able to live like the rest of the rest of the people around us. But so beautiful about where we are now is that there are so many people who have made this big decision, this very difficult decision and realize that alcohol wasn't bringing any value to their life anymore. Um, so there are others that people like you and I can connect with, whether mm-hmm. it's through Instagram, wherever it is. Um, uh, and, and having these conversations is helpful for, for even us now to remind ourselves like, no, this is right. Because if yeah. we didn't make that decision, we wouldn't be, you and I wouldn't be friends, you know, like everything happens for a reason. Yeah. yeah. I think there's lots of things that I've forgotten about that, like kind of in, knowing that this is what we were talking about today that I've really looked back on to remember and like some of the things I've talked about today I I almost forgot about like I haven't thought about it in a long time um because it really does feel like a blur that time it does yeah it does and bringing it back to those those earlier you know those earlier emotions of the first couple months um that fear was big that fear of the unknown of what am I doing what does my next day look like what does my next month look like um, that, 
that uncertainty was terrifying, but looking back now and being able to go, okay, look where I am now, all of those decisions and all of that fear led to something great, led to the now, um, really validates and makes, makes everything worth it. But in that moment, you don't know because, well, what you don't know, you don't know. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's just so worth it. I say it all the time in, in Instagram as well. Like sobriety is so worth it. Even if you're struggling, it, it's, it is a roller coaster, but every moment is worth it because, um, there's just nothing greater than the feeling of being, you know, 100% you without any sort of, uh, liquid courage. That yeah. Can you remember I, yeah. like a real moment of kind of a mindset shift that you had in early sobriety where things really kind of like clicked for you? Uh, yeah, I think it must've been about six months when I started to feel like finally comfortable. That was about when I, again, came out of that hibernation I was in, but mm-hmm. it just felt like, oh, life without alcohol is actually really great. And everything that alcohol promised or everything I thought alcohol would bring, oh, I actually have that without it. I don't need alcohol to be me or to be social, to be around friends. Even if they're drinking, I don't need it because now I can see it. It honestly didn't provide what I thought it was providing in those moments. It, it, honestly did worse and things just got easier too like everything felt a lot a lot lighter and being able to enjoy these celebrations with with my emotions you know not inebriated by booze like those feelings actually now that I think back on it I think it was watching my childhood best friend walk down the aisle Hmm. and I was I I wasn't drinking at that time. That was the wedding um, during my first summer of sobriety. In that moment, it felt so right to be sober for a wedding. And weddings are one of those situations where drinking is just like the norm. But wow, did it feel good to enjoy that without alcohol. And what what a crazy thing. Because all this time, I thought I'd been to to weddings and every single one I hardly remember. And what a mistake that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find it's that like, so what? crazy yeah. that the the times that we're most expected to drink are like the times that you want to remember most. It's always like these big, huge celebrations that people expect you to get wasted. And it's like, isn't this the day? If there's any day I want to remember, isn't this one of them? Like, I find that so fascinating. It is so fascinating. And if if I was somebody that would enjoy one or two at those celebrations – then maybe it would be different. But I I was never that person, especially at a wedding, I would drink copious amounts. And um, yeah, I've, I, it's so wild to think back on those, those situations. I can't imagine going back to that. Like there's no, that would be, that would be downgrading my life if I were to go back to living that way. Honestly, it's just like such a way of saying it. A downgrade. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, have to yeah I that. feel like we've leveled up. <laughs> I feel like we've leveled, like leveled way up by making oh, yeah. this decision and being able to experience these events without, without booze um, long term too. like really seeing the changes that occur from being alcohol free for, for so long are, 
oh, it's just, it gets better every day. It gets like more eye-opening and more amazing every single day. I love that. Do you feel the same? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. It does. It really does get better. It gets easier and it gets better. And that was something that I just always try to say is that because early sobriety is so hard and you just feel like life's never going to feel the same again. And like it's not going to feel the same again because it's going to be better. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to yeah. be better. You yeah. heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you think are the top things, tools, things that helped you in your early days? So you've said like kind of relying on your relationships, your family, you didn't use the kind of main tools. Like, did you count your days? Did you, you joined sober Insta a bit later. So that was not necessarily like an early sobriety tool. Yeah, I didn't, I did count my days. Yeah. I'd be like, Oh my God, we're at a month today. Oh my gosh, we're at two. Um, when I'd, I'd share it with Jonas because I was so excited. He wasn't, a, mm-hmm. he wasn't a counter himself. So I'd be oh, like, okay. oh, you know, You'd count for him. <laughs> we're, we're, I'd count for him. Um, but being able to share it with him was exciting because obviously he was on the exact same day and, and page as I was, but I love that. Uh, definitely counted. Yeah. Counted, counted days. Um, was just super easy on myself. You know, I, I, if I woke up sober, then I was doing something right and just continue to remind myself that, that I, my main goal is to just not drink. And if that means removing myself from the party, then so be it. The party is always going to be there. There's not, you know, it's not like it's going to be that much more mind blowing than the last one if I miss it. And, and just remind myself that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because there's, again, that sense of FOMO, but Mm -hmm. what are you really missing out on? If you've been to parties in your life, is this one going to be that much different? Is this one going to be one that you remember or forget? What will be different about it? And just reminding myself that there's no fear of missing out. You're not going to miss out. Um, You're going to create new experiences and Again, the party will always be there. It's how you you perceive the party and how you decide to interact with that party in the future. For me now, I I like to socialize. I like to go out. I don't party in the way that I used to, but I do still um, enjoy those social social events without booze. So knowing that the party will always be there was super helpful for me because I it, I wasn't missing out. You know, there was always one. There was always another party, um, but also just just being kind to myself and being easy on myself and reminding myself that this is a decision that I've made for a reason and um, and waking up every day knowing that was, was huge for me. What about you? I love that. Um, yeah, so what haven't I said? I think a, another really big one for me was enjoying alcohol-free drinks because drinking is – feels like such a ritual and I would always especially as I've mentioned before I was in lockdown I would like drink after work pour a glass of wine after work so keeping that going with an alcohol-free drink I would pour like a, a sparkling water into a wine glass light some candles try to still make it feel like a nice ritual for myself um counting my days I got on sober Instagram really quick I got on sober Instagram in like my first official month of sobriety and that really kept me accountable wow. That was really helpful. Um, I think I think 
there are so many just like little mindset shifts that happen along the way um, that are super important. And I, I think taking it one day at a time because that's all you can do. Even though now I'm like comfortable with being like, yeah, I'm never going to drink again. I can still only take it one day at a time. That's all you can ever do. You only have the day that's in front of you. So for me at first, if I got too far ahead, I would start spiraling and I would future trip. I'd be like, how am I going to date sober? How am I going to do this sober? Um, mm-hmm. So coming back to just the present moment as much as it's a cliche, I think so many things especially in sobriety that are cliches are cliches for a reason and it's because it works. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's a freaking tough time. And that's why so many people sometimes will be like, Oh, I'm only X amount of days sober. And I feel so strongly like it's not only because especially in the early days, every single day is massive. I remember Four days mm-hmm. always being a big deal to me in my in the few attempts that I tried to or the few attempts that it took me, day four was always a big one because that was something that pre trying to quit I would never just not drink for four days in a row. So I always remember being like, oh my god, day four, and it felt like a big deal because it freaking was. It's hard. So mm-hmm. just being so easy on yourself, knowing it's not going to feel that hard forever, um, it, and it's so beyond worth it like more more than I can say every day counts I love that Mm -hmm. do you think it's quote time yeah let's do it okay what do you got for us this week okay I love this quote so much hopefully I get through it without getting choked up um this is by Cheryl Strayed uh I think that I think it's from her book called Brave Enough. I couldn't, I was trying to remember if it was from the book called Tiny Beautiful Things or Brave Enough, but this quote got me for through my first like devastating breakup. And um, alcohol felt like that. Alcohol, breaking up with alcohol felt the way that that felt in a lot of ways. Um, So it says, you let time pass. That's the cure. You survive the days. You float like a rabid ghost through the weeks. You cry and wallow and lament and scratch your way back up through the months. And then one day you find yourself alone on a bench in the sun and you close your eyes and lean your head back and you realize you're okay. And I just love that because I just feel like when you're going through something that feels so devastating in the moment and feels so hard in the moment, it's so hard to imagine feeling okay again sometimes and that quote has brought me so much comfort Mm -hmm. in times like that to just remember that like one day it's going to feel okay yes I love that and to just piggyback onto the crying something I didn't mention was crying I cried so much in the Mm. first six months I was like what is wrong with me but that was such a release right and it's something that you know crying is not something that we talk about a lot in society. Like, Oh, I cried, and you know, but that was such a big release and it felt good to cry too. It was like, okay, my body's doing something that's supposed to. So I love that quote. So good. Woo. So this good. one was a lot. <laughs> this was a trip down memory lane this week. <laughs> it was, it was for sure. Um, thanks for listening. We're happy. Thanks you're here. for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.